Who's going to win today? That few of you had it right. Jesus Christ. Amen? He is the true winner, right? He's the champion and lover of our souls. Everything else that goes on down here is just temporary. So anyway, yeah, praise God. Hey, how many, are, are, how many of you are excited about the Easter festival coming up? Yeah? A few of you? Listen, we are only like five or so weeks away. And so we need to get very, very excited about that. We have our leaders in place, but we need your help. There's that board out in the lobby. We need every one of those slots filled or we're going to cancel the entire thing. Okay? Just kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. Don't take me literally there. Um, no, but we want all those spots to be filled uh, because this is a great time. This is our biggest outreach. And you get a free, look at this, gang. Look at this. Okay? You can't get this anywhere other than if you sign up to serve on our Easter festival. And you get to wear this proud, all right? Proud. Anyway, all right. Here we go. No, just kidding. I'll put it over here. I missed. That's okay. God is so good, right? Yeah. Amen. God is very good. So two services are coming, March 23rd. We keep talking about it. We're going to keep pumping it up. And one person's excited. Okay. That's all right. 9 and 11. So start choosing what service you're going to attend or both services or every week come at 9, next week at 11, 9. We're going to start auctioning off the front row here for anybody. If you want to bid on a front row seat, that's okay. Maybe it's that. Maybe the back row, that'll be all right. Um, but a, a survey went out this week just talking about getting some more volunteers to help, especially in our Oso oh Kids ministry. And I appreciate the response. I just want to thank all of those that responded. Um, there's plenty of places to serve, gang. And I wanted to say, if you'd like to serve in our, our media tech booth, you know, there's going to be double the opportunities in our first impressions team. There's double the opportunities worship ministry. There's double the opportunities. We need you, okay? So uh, if you feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit and the Lord pushing you to serve, um, we should all be hearing and feeling that. Come talk to us, the staff. We will uh, help get you where, where you'd like to serve, okay? Matter of fact, there's a little keyword that you can text. It's in the pastor's corner in the bulletin. You can text that number, uh, the, the word to that number, and we will contact you. Sound good? All right, let's get to the Word of God. Today we are going to talk about another a pretty familiar name of God that was given or revealed in the Old Testament book of Judges chapter 6. So go there now, if you will, in the Old Testament, Judges chapter 6. And I know Pastor Jake, we, you know, let's just pray for his family right now. He lost his grandfather this weekend. That's where Pastor Jake, our worship pastor, is. And I know the, the Wallace family texted me early this morning. Their whole family has COVID. They are all sick. Uh, Justin Davis, uh, one of our drummers and, and music, he is uh, really bad sick with COVID. So if we would as a body, and I know there's other people that are sick as well, but let's just lift them all up in prayer together if we could. Lord, we come before you as a corporate body right now, God, before we get into your word. And we, we, we lift up the Wallace family. We lift up Justin, God, Davis, and we lift up anybody else, God, who's, who's been sick over these last couple of weeks, Lord, and a flu's going around as well. Uh, just pray you would just heal people and lift them up, let them get over it quickly so they can get back to living life and living for you, Lord. Uh, touch J uh, Jake, Lord, and his family with the loss of his grandfather. Just be their peace and their comfort, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Um, 
as we've unpacked the various names of God, oh, hey, all right, uh, we've, we've observed a kind of historical overview of the Israelites. We started with Abraham, then we kind of moved to Moses, these Israelite characters. We saw the Israelites enslaved in Egypt, and then they're delivered from Egypt. They've been then we talked about them wandering around the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And last Sunday, we looked at the Old Testament book of Leviticus, you know, a couple scriptures there uh, as God gave them many rules and regulations of how they were to live separate and holy lives in the new promised land. Well, we, we fast forward now many, 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 many years, okay, into the Old Testament book of Judges this morning, and now we find the Israelites living this very kind of up-and-down existence. They're, they're on fire for God, then they're in apostasy. They're, they're serving the Lord, then they're rejecting the Lord, okay? And as you read the Old Testament, the, the, the book of Joshua, which is just before Judges, shows the Israelites obtaining and going into the promised land, you know, led by Joshua, who took over the, the leadership after Moses died. And the book of Joshua shows Israel's faithfulness and their success in the Lord. The very next book in our canon of the Old Testament scripture, Judges, then shows Israel's failures and how they turned from the Lord and how their disobedience led to constant oppression from neighboring enemies. Israel inherited the land of promise, but they continually, time after time, disregarded the covenant of the Lord, and they, as Gideon's chapter 17, verse 6 says, they did what was right in their own eyes. That's always a problem, right, when we do what's right in our own eyes. And so when they, when they would do that, God would allow these neighboring peoples to come in and oppress them, treat them horribly. Then they would cry out to God. God would hear their cries. And then he would send a judge to help them or to lead them into safety and deliver them from these oppressive enemies and oppressive attacks. And these judges would exercise authority over them. So God would raise up judges at just the right time. Now these judges aren't judges like we use the word in that sense today, or men and women who oversee legal cases, okay? No, these were spirit-empowered leaders who God called up and raised to save and deliver his people and help them overcome their enemies, all right? Gideon, the Old Testament character Gideon, is one of those judges. And by the time we get to our text in Judges chapter 6, the Israelites had been in the promised land for well over a hundred years now, okay? And they'd been in the promised land nearly 200 years since God had revealed himself as Jehovah Mekedesh, which we talked about last, last Sunday. So it's been like from that last Sunday to this Sunday, it's been like over 200 years, okay? And I know sometimes we feel that in life, right? How many felt like this, life, this last week was like 200 years long, okay? <laughs> so they became unfaithful to God. They began worshiping idols, living how God told them not to live, not being holy, not being sanctified and set apart like I discussed last week with the revealed name of God. And so in verse 1 through 10 of Judges 6, we see that 
God had brought some, a lot of oppression on them, and the oppression was so bad that the Israelites were literally running and hiding out in caves. There's a people group called the Midianites. For seven years, they would come and completely raid Israel. They would come and ravage their crops, ravage their produce. They would even take their sheep and their oxen, and they would take the donkeys away as well. They would leave the Israelites with nothing. So by the time we get to our text in Judges 6, this was a horrible time for the Israelites, and they finally began to call back to God. God sent a prophet their way and told them, reminded them of how he had delivered them from Egyptian bondage and did such great works among them. But the prophet also reminded them that they had failed to obey the Lord. And that's what God said. You guys have failed to obey me. Then the Lord sent Gideon. And that's where we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. We'll read verses 11 through verse 24. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree at Oprah. Okay, not the talk show host lady. All right. This is a little town city. Which belonged to Joash the Abizarite. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord, all capitals, that's Jehovah, is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please don't depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went to his house, prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket, the broth he put in a pot, and he brought it to him under the terebinth and presented it to him. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat, the unleavened cakes, put them on the rock, pour the broth over them, and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes, and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes, and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizarites. So it's right here, gang, right in the, the middle of severe oppression, Israelites hiding out in caves, living in caves, fearful for their lives. And we see in verse 1, Gideon's you know, beating wheat in the wine press. He's, 
He's doing it because he's hiding from the oppressors who would come in and just steal all of his wheat, okay? The Israelites had been pushed around. They were being punked by the Midianites over and over again. And it's here in this kind of a war zone, this chaos, that God reveals himself by another name. Verse 24, Jehovah Shalom is the Hebrew for the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Now, Shalom is a wonderful greeting that's still being said in Israel today. They would say it when you come on somebody, Shalom. When you're leaving somebody, Shalom. They probably did that right there too. I've never been to Israel, but I imagine they do a little salute, you know. Shalom. It means peace. May you be full of well-being. That's what the greeting means. May you be full of well-being. We should start saying that to each other. Practice that as we leave this morning. See ya. May you be full of well-being. You know what I mean? You know? And that's what the Hebrew meaning of shalom entails. Prosperity, rest. I love that word rest. To be whole and complete. And the sense of this Hebrew word means safety. Safety. Just let that promise of the Lord is peace Rest in your heart right now. Look, you may not have Midianites raiding your produce and all your livestock, okay? But we have many things that we allow to come in and, and, and rob us of God's peace, right? Stress, busyness, distractedness, if that's a word, <laughs> sickness, pain, our culture and society living in sin, not being faithful to the Lord, anxiety, fear, and worry. So many things we can allow. Yes, even as believers, faithful church attenders. You got the Christian t-shirts. You got the, you know, Oso Creek sticker on your car. And if you don't, we have some. Please put it on your car. They're free, okay? <laughs> you can pay me for one if you want, but they're free, you know? But you're a believer, but yet there's still things that come in and kind of eradicate God's peace from your heart and life. And God says to all of us when we come to him, just as he said to Gideon in verse 23, peace be to you. So at the very beginning of this message, we're talking about Jehovah Shalom. Peace, God's peace be to you, do not fear. As God spoke this peace shalom to Gideon, he speaks this to all of us in all of our life circumstances and where we find ourselves as well. And there's a couple of things that I want us to learn from Gideon's story here in this revelation of Jehovah Shalom. And, and the first one is this. God called Gideon to save the Israelites from their enemy. This is a huge task. This is a huge calling, okay? He also called Gideon to help return Israel back to the Lord. His very first task from the Lord, we see this in the, the very next verses, verses 25 to about 32 in our text. His very first task after our text, the Lord says, hey, Gideon, go grab your dad's bull and go grab his oxen and go there and 
use those to pull down the altar of Baal that your dad has set up and then cut down the wooden Asherah pole, which was an idol, and then build an altar for me and sacrifice to me right there in the place, but use the wood from that wooden idol, use that wood to burn the sacrifice on the altar that you make for me. Woo! It's like God calls Gideon, says you're going to save your people, I'm going to empower you, but first I need to go up there and tear down the idols that your dad has built for the town, all right? And it seems that many in this place of Oprah would come here and gather and worship this, this idol Baal and this Asherah pole because when they all got up the next morning, and Gideon did all this during the night because he was still kind of afraid of the people, but when they got up and saw this that had happened, they got mad and they actually wanted to drag old Gideon out and they wanted to kill him, okay? But God gave Gideon a noble call. Rescue my people Help deliver my people, save them, turn them to me, and stand up for me and tear down the idols. But Gideon had excuses. That's what we read in our text. God told him in verse 14, go in this might of yours, save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? What was Gideon's response in the very next verse? Did he puff up his chest? Did he pound his chest and say, yes, I've got this. With great power comes great responsibility. It's clobbering time. Flash on, truth, justice, and the Israelite way, right? No. <laughs> Did he say that? If you're not a fan, those are a lot of quotes from Marvel characters, all right? Okay. Maybe you don't fit Marvel. Maybe more it's like, did he puff up his chest and say, to infinity and beyond for the Lord, okay? Any of that better? Not at all. He wasn't like Sir Lancelot or Sir Galahad, you know, these brave knights that we've read about. No, he's more like Don Quixote charging into a windmill, all right? <laughs> he became filled with excuses. Lord, I'm from the tribe of Manasseh, and Lord, we're not very powerful. And Lord, I'm from, if that's not enough, God, I'm from the weakest clan in our tribe, my family. family we, are, we are pathetic, God. And I'm the weakest person in my father's household. Lord, I'm weak sauce, okay? As compared to awesome sauce, which somebody used today. And I love that. I don't know who, somebody in the sound booth said awesome sauce. And I'm like, I like that, okay? But he's like, I'm weak, Lord, because I'm a pathetic nobody. I'm not from a very strong tribe. My family is the weakest of all of, of our tribe, and I'm the weakest in my family, Gideon's like, Lord, I would just like to continue hiding in my cave. I'll keep sacrificing to you. Now that you've revealed yourself to me, I'll continue worshiping you, Lord. But, but I'm not sure about going out there and standing for you and tearing down the idols and turning people to you and delivering people and helping to save people. God's response in verse 16, God said, I am with you. God said, I am with you. Dude, that was a game changer for Gideon. That's a game changer for us. I am with you, the Lord said. And as the Lord revealed himself as Jehovah Shalom, that gave Gideon the courage to do what he needed to do. He knew that God was with him and that God would give him peace. Guys, the truth is this. 
We are called and we are commissioned to point people to Jesus Christ. Do you realize this? Listen, this is more than just a Sunday morning only thing where we come in and spiritually clock in and spiritually clock out and then have nothing to do with the Lord for the rest of the week. No, we, we are called and commissioned to go out and point people to Jesus. We see this from Jesus' words found in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, commonly called the Great Commission. Jesus said to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go. We're called to go out into the culture, out into the society, out into our world, and take a stand for Jesus and take a stand for the Word of God. To stand for Him out there. It's easy to stand for the Lord in here, but God's saying, go out there and stand for me. Out there, beyond these church walls, out there where there's much compromise with the world, out there where there's rejection of Jesus and His Word, out there where there is sexual immorality, sexual impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, junk, uh, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other such sins as Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Out there, gang. Out there where there are people doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord. We read that in Judges 6, 1 in our text. Out there where people are doing what's right in their own eyes, Judges 17.6, which that basically means if it feels right, hey, do it. It's all up to you, right? You be you. You have your own truth. We think that's such a modern construct right now where people have their own truth. That's sort of way back in Judges. When people were doing what was right in their own eyes, that's moral relativism. That's the very essence of secular humanism, gang, right? And we're called to go out there in that and take a stand for Jesus and take a stand for his word. To live holy and sanctified separate lives like I talked about last week. But what are we tempted to do, huh? We're, we're tempted to be like Gideon, right? And have excuses. Well, Lord, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a vocal person. Lord, I'm not a confrontational person, right, you know? Lord, I'm not very strong myself. God, I struggle with things too. Lord, I'm just going to hide out over here and I'll just worship you in secret. I'll become that secret agent Christian, okay, you know? Lord, Lord, I, I will, uh, I'll let the world be the world. I'm just going to, I'll be happy serving you on Sundays. God, let me just hide in my spiritual cave, worship you, and make it to heaven, and I'll be happy. Yay, right? <laughs> Gang, taking a stand for Christ and the standard of his word is not an easy thing to do in the world we're living in. And it's seemingly it's getting worse and worse every day. Standing for Jesus and his word, I'm talking about his authoritative word, okay? It's not a popular opinion in an overly humanistic secular society, which is driven by what that term I already used, moral relativism, which means you know, right and wrong varies with different individuals and different cultures and, and whatnot. You know, maybe, you know, it can be tough to take a stand for Christ at work around those other heathens, <laughs> okay? 
could be different taking a stand for Christ in that public educational facility that you work in and teach in and work in. It can be difficult to stand for Christ and his word among your, your other peers. And if you're a student, among your other students, if you're in middle school, high school, or college, you feel like you're the only one that's following Christ. Maybe you're on the ball team or your, your club or group, and even on social media, right? How about even within your own family? And relatives who are not believers, sometimes it can be difficult and not an easy task to take a stand. But gang, we can do it. Amen? You can take a stand for Jesus today and his word today. You can stand for Christ and his word because we are his and we are filled with the Holy Spirit who will empower us just like we see him do with the various judges in this Old Testament book. We're to be Christ's ambassadors his light shining out in this darkened world. And just like God told Gideon, he tells us, I'll be with you. I am with you. What if they laugh in your face? So what? Christ is with you. What if they leave you out? That's okay. Christ understands. He, he knows firsthand the rejection. And you have to remember, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him that's in you. So that's actually a good sign, right? Listen, we can have peace because God is with us. Jehovah Shalom. And no matter how it gets, how bad it gets as you take a stand for Christ, you know, we can still have his peace. Even if it gets, if it gets to the point of going to jail because of your testimony for Christ. You know, me and one of my best friends who, who was a pastor, when he was pastoring, me and him, would, we'd call each other all the time. And I, I vividly remember, I don't remember what year it was, but things were getting really ramped up, and it was getting, it was just getting kind of crazy. And we would remind each other, said, you ready to go to jail for Christ? And we both, without hesitation, said, yes, I am. Even if it came to that point, God's going to be with you, and you'll have his peace. Even to the point of death, and maybe even giving your physical life for Jesus Christ, Praise God, that's not really happening in America, but all over the world, gang, guess what? That's happening. And even if someday that is our call, listen, we can have his peace, you can still stand for God because he is with you. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's our peace. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said, little children, or John wrote, little children, you're from God and have overcome them. For he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. And Jesus said in John 16, 33, I've, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. People will be coming against you. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Guys, God is with us. And God who's in us is greater than the world. And we can stand for Jesus and his word, right? Amen? Yes? Let that be a challenge this morning as we continue on. You can stand for Christ because of his peace and his spirit who's in your life. Now, another thing I want us to, to look at, if we go back a few verses in our text, and the, and, and, and the Lord appeared before Gideon. The Lord said to Gideon in verse 12, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And not only do we see Gideon then with, you know, give some excuses to God, you know, but here, even before that, Gideon had a complaint. Gideon has some complaints. 
Before God had called him to save and, and, and rescue his people, Gideon had some complaints in verse 13. And I want to examine them because we can utter these same complaints as well in our lives and our circumstances. And the first one he asked, you know, basically, why, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Wait, wait, wait. You say that the Lord is with me. If the Lord is with us, then why is all this oppression happening? You can hear Gideon say in, in, in this verse. If the Lord is with us, just like you said, then why is life so hard for us right now? Have you ever asked that of the Lord? Have you ever made that as a, a complaint, so to speak, to God? Maybe you've been silently praying that in your life over these last few weeks or so. Maybe you sit here or you're online this morning and you say, Lord, I, I hear every, every week on Sunday that you're with me. I hear every week that you love me. I read in the Bible where, where you promise to be with me. And if that's so, why is this happening to me, Lord? Why is life so tough? Why am I so sick? Why is this relationship going sour? Life isn't easy, Lord. As a matter of fact, it's quite difficult. Nothing's going right. Everything seems to be going wrong. What was, what was up is down now, Lord. There's oppression on every side. And Lord, it's just weighing me down. Why do I have to go through this difficulty and this hardship, Lord? Yeah, we, we can be like Gideon and... and question like this when we, as our first response when we hear some, someone say, the Lord is with you. And that's all right, because, because God can handle our big questions of why. He's a big God, right? But there's things that we need to remember. First, we're, we're never promised an easy, pain-free, troubled, not difficult life where every relationship is just lovey-dovey. There's no, morning, or there's no morning breath. There's nothing like that. You know, it's just perfect. Where you get along with everybody just beautifully. There's no opposition. We're not promised where these bodies, you know, will always continuously stay fit and strong and, 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 and healthy all on their own automatically. Huh? How many of you woke up this morning? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> you know what that means? Congratulations, you're another day older. <laughs> right? And even just now, you're one second older. Do you know what that means? You just died a little bit. You just died a little bit, right? Yeah, I know. That's, yeah. You know, the truth is, gang, we're all growing towards death. It's what the Bible says. It's appointed unto man wants to die in the judgment. Listen, that's not to be a downer, but that's the truth. So it's, it's, we better start living for Christ now, right? Now is the time. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. But we're not promised this super smooth, easy, great life since we've come to Christ. Now you'll hear people teaching that and trying to push that, but that, that's, that's not biblical doctrine. Jesus himself says the opposite. Life is hard. Life is difficult, especially for the believer. Sure, there's fun, enjoyable moments in life. We all love those, right? Selfie moments for sure. The t-shirt company does have it right. Life is good. I mentioned that a couple sermons ago. You know, life is good. 
and life is good, but life is also hard and difficult. But, but here's the truth, here's the reality. Through it all, good, bad, difficulties, hardships, sicknesses, relationship strife, financial duress, workplace struggles, job problems and issues, choppy seas and scary storms in life, even in aging bodies. <laughs> God assures us time after time and time that he's with us and he will give us peace. And his peace is, is our strength that sustains us and helps us. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's peace in the middle of the storm. I preached a sermon on this chapter, what is it? it's 23, 24, last year. Matthew chapter 8. Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. They're out in the middle of the sea. Jesus is in a snooze fest. He's been tired and he's taking the chance to nap. This massive storm arises out of nowhere. It's, it's about to swallow the boat. The disciples are so afraid. And they're like, Jesus, you're asleep. Do you not care that we're going to die out here? We're going to die. And Jesus gets up. He speaks to the wind and the waves. He says, peace, be still. King, that's what Jesus does for us. He stands up and says, peace. Peace to that storm. Now, sometimes those storms dissipate and go away, and we enter wonderful seasons. But sometimes life is life, and God has us go through things, various things for his will and his purposes. But he could say, even in the middle of all this raging storm or whatever it is, he can say, peace to your heart. And inside, you're not affected. Inside, you've got an inner strength that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ that can help carry you through that. Even though the storm doesn't subside or whatever it is, that trouble, that hardship, that difficulty, that sickness, that pain, whatever it is, it may not go away, but inside you're strengthened by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why I've said before, when people in the world look at you, they say, how do you have it all together, dude? I would be losing my mind. That's where you can be as ambassador and say, because I know Jesus Christ. He's the peace speaker. He's Jehovah Shalom. And he gives me such wonderful peace. You see, we can be filled with his peace, which means we can be whole and complete and safe because he's Jehovah Shalom. I read it earlier just a few minutes ago, but, but listen to the words of Jesus again in John 16, 33. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace, in the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, and Peter in his first letter, 1 Peter 16, or chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, speak of you know, all the things that we go through now here on this earth. It's all going to be worth what God has waiting for us in glory that it's just going to be beautiful and we'll look back and it's just going to make heaven even more richer, right? And we can have peace in every area of life because he is with us. Just like the lyrics of the, the popular worship song we sing, and I love it, and, and 
And it says, and through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well with me. When you have the peace of Christ, no matter what comes your way, you can sing that. Just like the, old, the song, I believe it's the early 90s or late 80s from, from Rita, Rita Springer. She said, it's, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it all. And I believe this. We aren't promised that easy, pain-free life, difficult-free life. But we're promised that he will be with us through it all. And he'll help us and he'll give us his peace. Amen? So Gideon also complained, not just, you know, why is all, you know, if you're with us, why is all this happening? But in verse 13, he says, where are all the miracles? It's like, where are the miracles, Lord? Where are the wonderful deeds that I've heard about all my life? Stories telling of how, how you, Lord, miraculously delivered our people out of Egyptian slavery. Where are those miracles now, God? Could that be like you this morning? God, I used to feel so strong in you. You were moving mightily in my life. Your word was like fresh baked bread to me, piping hot right out of the oven. Yummy, okay? <laughs> the ministry you called me to, God, was being so fruitful. You were moving in my family. Now, Lord, I feel so dry. I feel so brittle. What happened to the wonderful way that you were working in my life of me feeling your presence and being empowered by your spirit? Listen to me. If that's you. This God's not done with you. He is still with you. Praise the Lord. And he wants to make you complete and whole in him because he's Jehovah Shalom. He wants to fill your life and your heart with his presence and his wonderful peace. Run to him. Let him revive your heart and revive your spirit, and fill you with peace, and let him work in you again, praise the Lord. And finally, the, the last complaint from Gideon in verse 12, it, it's a huge one. It's a huge one. God, have you forsaken us? God, have you left us? God, where are you? Are, are you there? As a matter of fact, verse 12, in verse 12, Gideon says that the Lord has forsaken us. It's almost like he's already consigned to the, to the fact, Lord, you've, you've left us, God. You've forsaken us. Life had gotten so bad, there's no way that the Lord is still with us. People wonder today, even in church, have I done too much bad and wrong in my life for God to love me? and to welcome me, and to use me? The answer is absolutely not. Jesus is waiting with open arms, waiting for us all to come to him. Some people say there's so much going wrong in our lives. Surely God has left us because nothing seems to be going right. No, no, no. But life does get difficult, and, and we do cry out, God, have you forsaken me and left me? Am I, I all alone now? And what a horrible feeling that is, right? Such a feeling of despondency. I've been there. I've cried out those very words. A moment in my life that was such a horrible season in my life. I remember going and pulling into a, a parking lot that was surrounded by all these bushes and trees. I hadn't been able to feel the Lord's presence for a while. So much was going wrong, and I just cried out, as loud as I could. I'm not going to do that right now because I have a microphone and I want to pierce your ears because I have a very loud voice. You're welcome. Well, maybe I should wake everybody up. <laughs> Just kidding. But I cried, God, where are you? 
Where are you? Have you left me? He had it. He had it. And slowly and surely as I called out to the Lord and ran to him, God would reveal himself to me time and time again. Revive my heart and fill me with his peace. And actually, when we see in the book of Judges, it's, God could have said, look, dude, I've not left you. You guys are the ones that have left me. And sometimes that's the truth, right? We've kind of journeyed over here, left the Bible alone. We're not in church in a while. And, you know, it's like, God, I'm going to do my own thing. For You're still there, kind of an arm's distance, Lord, and it's all good. And all of a sudden stuff happens. And we're like, where are you, God? He's <laughs> like, I've been there the whole time. I've been with you the whole time. And through all of these complaints that Gideon had, there's one common statement from, statement from the Lord. God said, I am with you. God could counter every one of those complaints. I'm with you, Gideon. And he says that to us today. I'm with you. We see the author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, I will never leave you nor forsake you, as he has said, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. Guys, God is faithful to his promises, and he promises that he will be with us and he will help us. So our challenge is to, to call out to him, to run to him. He's there, he's working, he's moving. Let him move in your heart. Let him move in your life. Let him move in you. Let him give you his marvelous peace this morning. A peace that the apostle Paul writes in, in, in his letter to the Philippians that our mind can't even comprehend. It's a peace that we can't even grasp. We could try to write about it and describe it, but it's beyond comprehension. That's how amazing his peace is. And he's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. You see, no matter what, and what covers a lot of ground, right? What we face, what we go through, what we experience, what we come up against, what we encounter, what fill in the blank no matter what, we can live in peace through every aspect of life because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. He's the Prince of Peace. Luther, if you guys want to come on up. You see, Jesus Christ, over there. You're over there. That's over here. You're over there. <laughs> Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of Jehovah Shalom. Now, if you notice in the Creek notes, I skipped a whole section. That's okay, all right? We're moving down to Jesus. He's the ultimate fulfillment of Jehovah Shalom. We can be complete and whole because and only because of Jesus, our Prince of Peace. That's the title that Jesus is called by the Old Testament prophet Isaiah in his Old Testament book, Isaiah 9, 6, and he shall be called the Prince of Peace. I talked about that this Christmas season. So listen, if you, this morning here online, if you need peace of heart, Peace of mind, peace in your soul, peace in a relationship, peace in your marriage, peace in your job, in your finances, peace in your children, peace in your health, peace in this life. True and lasting peace can only be found in Jesus Christ, gang. 
Only in Jesus Christ. John 14, verse 27, Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Jesus gives a peace that's different than what the world tries to give us. What the world tries to, to push and give, it's fake, it's a pretense, it's not lasting, it's just a, a fake bill of goods, right? You, you can go to the library, you can order, get all kinds of like books about self-help. You can point to all kinds of different influencers who promise to help you in your life and that help should bring you peace. But there's only one true and lasting help and that's the person of Jesus Christ and the peace that he gives. And don't we try to go through all these other channels before getting to Jesus? Sure. Let's go to Jesus first. You see, he paid for our peace on the cross when he offered his life for all of us. And because of that, we have spiritual peace for our soul, knowing that spiritually we won't die, but we will live with him forever. And also because of what Christ done, we can have peace in this whole life. And his peace will carry us. His peace will sustain us. But it's only found in Him. It's only found in Jesus. There's a popular saying, and we put that slide on. No Jesus, no peace. But if you know Jesus, you will know peace. Amen? So restless heart this morning. If you've called on Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and there's turmoil and chaos in your life, you're filled with excuses, complaint, questions, go to Jesus. Tell him and let him fill you with his peace. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ. You've, you've never made him your Lord or your Savior. And life is not good for you right now. What are you waiting for? Stop trying to handle it all on your own. The Bible says it's not by might nor my power, our own strength. It's by His Spirit. Run to Jesus today. Give Him your heart. Give Him your life. I quote this often, but it's so true. Romans says in, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 10 that if, if a person confesses that Jesus is their Lord with their mouth and believes in their heart that God raised Him from the dead, you're saved. You're in the family. The Apostle John writes, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that. And when he does that, his peace comes in like a flood. I love it as a minister, man, when someone gives their heart to the, to the Lord. You just, you see it in their face. His peace. His peace. His peace is available to all of us this morning. My last scripture is Colossians 3.15. The Apostle Paul writes, Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body in Jesus, you are called to live in peace. So believer, you're called to live in Christ's peace. Jehovah Shalom. Let's let his peace reign and rule in our lives this morning.
Heavenly Father, we just come before you and I just pray for this entire congregation, Lord. Pray for those that are watching online this morning. God, you know every situation, everything that's going on in everyone's life today, right here, right now. You know our tomorrows, God. So I pray that the truth of the message of your peace would resonate in our hearts, that Holy Spirit, you would dig it deep in our hearts so when we face those storms, when we face those instances of difficulty, or if someone's going through now, in those moments of taking a stand for you and your word, Lord, your peace is reigning in our hearts and reigning in our lives and ruling in our hearts and lives. Surround us with your, your peace right now, Lord, I pray. Touch us, Holy Spirit. And Lord, if there's anyone here watching in person, and they've not made you their Savior and Lord, God, I pray they would hear your call. You're calling out to them right now. You're saying, come to me. All you who labor, you're weary. I'll give you rest. Lord, let them come to you and find rest. Give us your rest this morning, Jesus. Give us your rest. And Lord, let, let, us, let us walk in your peace. Let us walk in your peace. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. Amen. We're, we're going to sing this last song. But I'm going to ask those that have, you feel led to pray for people. If you'll come and just take a place in the front or back at this point, and, and, and you need prayer for anything. You want God's peace in your life. Listen, the, the, these believers, they'd love to pray with you because we want to pray. Don't, don't leave. I know, I don't want to go up front. I don't want to, listen, it's nobody judging here. It's nobody judging anyone here. This is a place where God's presence is. It's a place where God wants to heal and move. And set free and deliver. God wants to save. If you, if you want to make Jesus your Savior and your Lord, these believers would love to pray with you. So as we sing this last song, and you need prayer, come on. We're here as a church family to help each other and to pray for each other this morning, no matter what it is. Luther, won't you lead us this morning? Hallelujah.